in my notes it says to uh, invite you to sit down, but I see you're already doing that, so that part's done. Well done on listening to the first part. Hopefully the rest of it will come easier too. December 23rd, well done. You guys made it. This is not the pregame, so just so you know, tomorrow is not like the big day. This is still a time when we get to come together, um, and so good work. Uh, some of you guys are here because your families are here, and you're coming to make sure that their church isn't weird. That's cool. Good work. That's totally okay. Uh, hopefully, we either confirm or, you know, in some form or fashion. I am not the normal guy, so if you don't like it, uh, come back later. Bren, who we just prayed for, is, and we love our pastor, and we are grateful for him. He is someone who, along with our pastors, Brian and Danny, um, our elders, they serve us well, and so um, I'm really grateful that we get an opportunity to, uh, to pray for Bren today. I know it's been kind of a crazy week. As we dive into today, this is a somewhat continuation of a place we've already been. We've been talking about this series about words. Okay, the first week we talked about how words mean more than we realize, where in the scriptures it teaches that words, what we say, actually comes from our heart, that out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so you can tell kind of where your heart's at a lot of times by the words that you're allowing to come out of your mouth. And then the second week, we talked about how words can bring life or death when it comes to relationships with people. And we've all seen this, right? Especially this time of year with family. We've seen this, right? We've seen how words can build someone up and encourage them, or we've seen how words can tear down a relationship. But today, I want to transition just a little bit. And I want to talk about words with God. I want to talk about what it means for me, in my mind, when I look at this, I think to myself, there are tons of how-tos on prayer. Okay? There's lots of them in Scripture, lots of great places. You can go to Matthew 6. We've got the Lord's Prayer, right? Walks through that whole thing. You've got lots of how-to prays. Intercessory prayer. Okay? You've got prayer that lasts a really long time. And then you've got commands of Jesus saying, don't be long-winded in community, right? You've got lots of how-tos on prayer. But my goal today is not necessarily to teach you how to pray. That's a journey. That's something that you will learn as you grow. But my goal today is simply this. At the end of this, my hope is that you see that you need to do it. And I don't say that like a, hey, you need to do this. I say that like a, hey, this is something we need. We need to do it. You know, I, um, I joke about this, and uh, for me, this is not a mocking thing because it was what I needed at the time, but I joke about uh, how much... Uh, when I read the scriptures when I was first following Jesus, I, uh, back in the old days, you know, it wasn't as easy to like listen to a sermon or pull up a commentary because changing out CDs were kind of tough when I first became a Christian. And so um, you will realize that like you kind of have it really good if you're somebody who's a little younger. It's so much easier to find good content now than it used to be because back in the old days, unless you knew the Dewey Decimal System, you were in trouble finding good stuff, right? And so I, I was, that's not, that's like ancient for me, but like I still had to like go online and like search on really slow websites and listen to the AOL dial-up and all that fun stuff to find a CD that they'd mail to you for eight bucks, right? Those days are long gone. But when I first became a believer, that's what I kind of had to learn from. And so I wanted to read the Bible. And I didn't have the available content right there then. I had pastors who I could talk to, but oftentimes, you know, those folks are busy, right? And so sometimes you can feel, and not always, and pastors should be available. But 
at the time, there would be passages that I read, and I would think to myself, what does this mean? Right? There's lots of language in Scripture that's hard to understand sometimes. One of the passages that I felt like I could understand was 1 Thessalonians 5.17. All it says is pray without ceasing. Got it. <laughs> I'm in. That's one I feel like I don't need to like pop the CD in for, right? Like I don't need to learn exactly what that means in the Greek. It means pray without ceasing, right? And so I was excited. And uh, uh, me being young in faith, um, that for me at the time meant a God consciousness that I needed to have. So I began to pray for every decision. Uh, and some of them at the time, as I look back, It'd be easy to mock this, but it's not a mockery thing. It's what I needed at the time. I would pray for what to have for breakfast. You know, I would pray for like every little detail. Lord, should I wear the green sweatshirt or the blue one? Like I was, I was praying about all these things. And, um, you know, I, I never did this. But in the process of writing these notes, I thought, man, this would be so much funnier if I had done this. So I'm going to tell you. It, I, like, Lord, I'm at this green light. Should I go? Like, those are the things that I feel like at the time, my heart was kind of leading me to this pray without ceasing idea, and that's where I came to, right? It was, Lord, I want to pray about every single decision. And some of, us, some of us, we need to be there. And some of us, we laugh at how seemingly immature it was for me to do that. Do you want to know what's more immature than that? Not doing it at all. It's really easy to look at some of the mistakes, right? The things we learn and grow out of in our faith. It's really easy to look at those things and think, oh man, I remember the days when when I used to believe like that person did, right? And we're looking at them and maybe they have something like what I was doing. And we're like, oh, you pat them on the head and you smile and walk away, right? Ah, But there's something beautiful There's something beautiful about faith that responds to God and we look to him and we say, okay, Lord, I'm going to do what I think you're telling me to do in this and I'm going to do it with everything I have. Now, since then, I have read many, many passages about how to pray and prayer has been something that I have grown in and so I don't necessarily pray that way like I did back then, but at the time it was exactly what I needed because what it did is it told me and reminded me of something really important. God is always there. He's always there. And there's a relationship between us. And at that time, that relationship was, Lord, do I wear a green or blue sweatshirt? But it grows and it molds and it changes. But one thing that can happen over time for some is that you learn to be independent. And my goal today is that at the end of this, realizing that I'm not going to give you all these how-tos when it comes to prayer. But my hope is, is that you would catch a glimpse of that feeling of humility where you just do it. You worry about the details as they come, but you just do it. You acknowledge the presence of God in this moment. Now, there are many ways to pray, but some of the most, uh, some of the people who, whom I have looked up to in the past when it comes to prayer, one of the things I've noticed about their life is this, is that prayer for them is not just this practice that they do, it's not redundant, right? 
right? They're not the type of people that have only ever thanked God for their food, right? They thank God for many things. And I look at them and, and they say things like, prayer is a place you live with God, right? Or they, they'll think of things like, prayer is a mindset that you walk in. It's a consciousness. Now, it can be a practice, but at some point, prayer really is an obsession with God. It is a constant realization of a relationship that's there. And God being present constantly, we then engage with him. Now, the beauty of this is that the Lord has always taught us to engage with him. Whether This is part of the... I'm not giving you a how-to. This is the part of just doing it. Some of you in here, you've got things that are blocking you from talking to God. You know, some of you in here, you, you're, you're kind of caught up in a sin, and you really feel like if you go to God, you're going to feel bad. Yeah. Probably. But there's no safer place to go to with your sin than confessing it humbly to the Lord and repenting. There's nothing safer you can do because if you choose to live independently of God because of that sin, that's certainly not a safe place. God says, come to me when you are happy in Psalm 66.1. God says, come to me when you are sad. God says, come to me when you are like overjoyed. Come to me. He says, come to me when you're anxious. Come to me when you feel burdened. Come to me. Be with me. You know, one of the things that I learned early on, and I am so grateful for the person who taught this to me, helped me understand this, is that when it comes to relationship with God, one of the things we kind of have to let, uh, because we tend to apply things to God that are more human, sometimes we can accidentally view God as insecure. And the way we do this is we don't want to say something wrong. Right? I don't want to say anything wrong. And sometimes that's a reverence, and that's beautiful. I understand that. I get that. But sometimes when it comes to relationship with God, it's not like God is looking at you going, man, I knew that you guys had the capability of being perfect all on your own, so I want you to go ahead and get there, and then we can talk. No. God has always been somebody who comes down to be with us. In fact, the Psalms say that when we pray, God inclines his ear. There's a beauty in that. There's a, there's a recognition of something that I think we can miss so easily, and that is this. If you think that you have to do things perfectly, I want you to understand something. There is room for an honest mistake with God because of Jesus, especially in prayer. And I want you to know, like, as you think about that, the scriptures are very clear on, on many, many things, but when it comes to prayer, it is okay to come to God and say, God, I'm, I'm experiencing this. I, I, I don't understand what's going on. God, where are you? Now, we always do that with a spirit of humility, recognizing that he is the one whom we are dependent on. But what I don't want is this. I don't want you walking around thinking that God can't hear from you because you aren't good enough or God can't hear from you because you don't know the right words to say. Think about it this way. If we are told to pray continually... What would it look like for you and I to constantly recognize that God is in the room? What would that look like for you? To at least be conscious of it. 
Now, as we go to 1 Thessalonians 5, and if you'd like a Bible, you can put your hand up. Sometimes people come and pass those out, Justin. So then, uh, uh, it's not Justin's fault. I didn't warn him that I was going to do this in like the middle. Normally, we do it at the, at the beginning. Um, thank you. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I'm okay with that. Um, but as we go to 1 Thessalonians 5, you can flip there in your phones if you can keep yourself from getting distracted. First uh, Thessalonians 5, we're going to start in verse 12. So, uh, And I want to give the context of verse 17, but verse 17 is what we're really going to talk about. Uh, but I want us to have a little bit of context because I think it's important. Uh, so 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 12, and we'll go to verse 18. It says this. It says, Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard and love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive. Encourage the disheartened. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. Verse 16. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, seems like he's just kind of lobbing out a bunch of stuff, right? And when you first read it, you think, oh, that's just like a lot. What in the heck? There's like eight commands in there. How do I even follow that? Well, coming to the end of the book, this is a really kind of a, a letter that's written to people who are struggling with things like idleness, laziness, struggling to understand how to follow God, Okay. And what the communication really is, is this. And I think it kind of centers around 17, but it's joyful, prayerful, thankful people encourage those around them to grow. And, and that that is the, the calling of this section, that, that joyful, prayerful, thankful people encourage those around them to grow. And so when we talk about this idea of verse 17 and we narrow in, we have to think about that, that that's a part of the mentality of a prayerful person is that it will always typically come with an increasing recognition of rejoicing and joy in being with God, in in recognizing your humble place with them and a thankfulness that doesn't allow itself to live inside the mess of circumstances, but lives in a place of consciousness with God constantly. So verse 17, uh, I really think this means three things. This pray without ceasing, okay? I really think it means three things. First, I think it means that we recognize our dependence on God in all we do. Very simply put, Praying without ceasing is knowing God for who he is and understanding our place in light of who he is. Now, this is the very nature and essence of prayer. And it is this. Prayer is the greatest sign of dependence in your life. Prayer is the greatest sign that you are dependent on God in your life. Prayerlessness is, the, is a great sign that you are seeking to live independently from God. 
Prayerlessness in everyday life is a sign of independence from God. And that is not a good place to be. Why? Because whether we know it or not, we are dependent people. We are very dependent people. Now, it's not just for salvation, right? We know, we recognize that we were dependent on God for salvation. I could not make myself perfect, right? But Jesus comes down, he dies on the cross for me, and now I get to be with God. I get to be in the presence of God. That's one aspect of need. But what about this? We're told that we are dependent on God for provision. Daily bread. He gives us what we need. We are told that we are dependent on God for spiritual growth. To grow as a person and mature, you are dependent on God. We are told that we are dependent on God to meet the part of us, that deepest need. There's a place in us, all of us, and some of us have been there and seen how much we need. And some of us, we've applied that need to another relationship and you see how broken you can make that relationship. Why? Because we need God. There's a part of us that cannot be fulfilled by another person or a thing. There's a part of us that needs God then nobody else can meet that deep need. And that is a moment-by-moment daily need. That isn't a one-time experience. That's a constant recognition of the fact that I need him. I need him to know I'm okay. And I think sometimes, to get real practical, we forget That life itself is the breath of God. And if God in a moment took his breath out of the world, all life would die. That means that the breath that you breathe right there, right then, that is a mercy. That is a grace. That is a sign of of God giving you what you need. And when we recognize this dependence, and we recognize that we want to be in relationship with God, it drives us to talk to him, to be with him, to listen to him in the scriptures, to spend time with him. Now why do I say that? Why do I say that? Because I am so prone to not. Yeah, I really am. You know, earlier I talked about how it's not really a discipline, right? Prayer is a is a way of life, and those are all beautiful words, but sometimes I'm I'm naturally predisposed because of who I once was before Christ. I'm naturally predisposed to not do the right thing. You know what I mean? My most natural position sometimes, my most natural way of being oftentimes, unchecked by scripture and the Holy Spirit is this like kind of plodding, awful, selfish person. But, but I am dependent on God even for that because he gives me the ability to even be disciplined in prayer. And here's what I mean. The second thing I think it is, is praying without ceasing means that we pray regularly and often. Okay, that's real practical. Okay, I, I, for example, I'll give, you, I'll give you an example. 
I don't think that in this particular passage, I don't think he's saying that you literally don't stop talking to God in your brain, okay? And I'll give you an example of that of somebody who's smarter than me. This is John Piper talking about the, the particular language in this, in this sentence and in Romans 1.9. It says, I base this use of the Greek word translated without ceasing in Romans 1.9, where Paul says, for God, whom I serve in my spirit in the preaching of the gospel of his son, is my witness as to how unceasingly I make mention of you. Now, we can be sure that Paul did not mention the Romans every minute in his prayers. He prayed about many things. We know that. But he mentioned them over and over and often. So without ceasing doesn't mean that verbally or mentally we have to be speaking prayers every minute of the day, but we should pray over and over and often. Our default mental state should be God. Now, the goal of the discipline is to allow yourself to kind of be conformed to this way of life, right? The goal of the discipline is not just to keep the discipline, okay? The goal is to get you to a point where you realize, like, no, I want to be with God. But for me, and many of you like me, if we don't discipline these practices into our life, we won't do them. Or we'll do them for a very short period and then forget. So I, I have an app, okay, that I use. It pops up on my phone, like everything else that I try not to pay attention to, but I still do that. I'd like, your phone is the place, at least for me, where like I'm looking at it most often. When something pops up, I hear it, I see it, all that stuff. And so I've got an app, it's called Echo Prayer, that I use where you kind of type in different things. I put in prayers for people. I put in prayers that I just want to be reminded of with the Lord. And then uh, you set a reminder and it'll pop up on your phone. And I, I need that. I mean, I do it pretty regularly. Um, and so for me, that particular app, which some of you have just totally derailed because you're in the app store, but that's cool. Um, <laughs> if, that, if that's you, game on. The, the, but but, but I, do, I do want to say that like, as you think about that stuff, as you set alarms or you do something practical, remember that the goal is always to get to a point where it's, a, where it's almost like a breathing in and a breathing out. It's almost something so natural you do that it's an ebb and a flow relationally with God. And that's where you want to be. Okay, that's where you want to be. The third thing and the last thing I think that pray without ceasing means is that it's to not stop or give up. Now, in trials, okay, it's one example. In trials, oftentimes when a trial hits, you're so desperate, right, for the trial to be gone. You're so desperate for a solution that if God is practical in any way to you, you oftentimes will go to him, right? But what I've noticed is this, that as soon as the thing they're praying for doesn't happen fast enough, they give up. But I want to tell you something. Prayer is not just about what you're praying for. Prayer is about who you're spending time with. Prayer is not just about what you're praying for. Prayer is about who you're with when you're doing it. And in prayer, our hearts are aligned with God. In prayer, our mind is God-focused and we can live in some form above whatever the mess is. And I get that there are things that are so present that they are so consuming that you can't do anything but pray about that thing. And that's fine. 
but spend time with God because he is the one who meets the needs that go beyond what you can ask for. And that's the beauty of this, is that if you are persistent in prayer, you will start to see relationally you grow with the Lord. You'll start to see how your time with God will become more about someone you know than about some forced, terrible thing. Because that's not not how it was designed. When Jesus came down, when Jesus lived the perfect life, and when Jesus died on the cross for our sins, he didn't do it so he could torture you with needing to spend 15 minutes in the morning with him. He did it because he wants to be with you. He wants to be with you. Now, the scriptures teach us that the Father is omnipresent. He's always present. They teach us that the Spirit lives inside of believers. They teach us that Jesus, in, in, in the Great Commission, he says, Lo, I am with you always. Now think about it. God is here. Not just in this room, but God is present anywhere you are. And some of us in here, whether we know it or not, are giving him the silent treatment, which what's more immature than that? If you've ever seen this as a little kid who can't solve a problem, they get so mad that they're not going to talk to their parents anymore. I've done it. Some of you have seen it. Parents will try to talk to them and they just don't respond. And yet we can see the immaturity in that in a little child. But can we see the immaturity in that in us when we do it with God? The goal is that we engage and we stay engaged with God. You know why? Because when we disconnect, in that moment, we're not staying neutral. We're regressing. Engage with the Lord. Pray without ceasing means that you engage and you stay engaged and you stay engaged. When the world crumbles, you stay engaged. When you get a prognosis you don't like, you stay engaged. When you see your family crumbling, you stay engaged. When things are going so well that you never have to worry about money again, you stay engaged. When you're tired, when you're sad, when you're angry, when you're numb, you engage. Why? Because Jesus always does. At any one point, he is not away, he is not away from you. He's not far from you. And I, I've heard it said that it's like a turning around, right? That, that when you stopped engaging with God and you turn around and you face the other direction, that all you got to do is turn around. And I'm going to tell you this, that's a beautiful analogy. It's even less than that. Eventually, you will need to turn away from whatever it is that you're facing. But God is as present as your eyelids in prayer. The moment you close your eyes, the moment you, and some of, so he's even closer than that. Don't even have to close your eyes. Engage. In the next minute here, we're going to put a verse up on the screen, a chapter, really. Psalm 139. And uh, uh, I want you to read it. And then when it's done, I just want you to talk to God. Just talk to him, okay? I realize that there are many different levels of whatever it is you're going to say, okay? That there's some people in this room who haven't talked to God ever and feel like, man, how in the world am I going to talk to God? I don't know what to say. It's okay to just start. It's okay to just talk with him. He is a safe place to not be perfect. Now, it's going to change you. You're going to mature if you spend time with him and you grow and you learn and you're open to that. But he's a safe place to not be perfect. And I'll tell you, as a person who's not perfect, 
There is nothing. There is nothing that meets a need deeper in me than that. I need to know that it's okay for me to be who I am. And I know because of Jesus, I know that it's okay to engage with God. After this verse is read, or after you read the verse, just spend some time with him in the Lord. I want to pray for us and then we'll read this verse and we'll quietly pray as the band comes up. Father, I am humbled that I get to be in your presence and God, I ask that people in here, some of them would engage for the first time. I pray that some of them would engage for the first time in a long time. I pray that some would engage recognizing that they have never stopped engaging with you. Lord, we want to stay conscious of you. We want to be with you. Thank you so much for doing so much to be with us. Father, I ask that this scripture would teach us. I love you, Lord. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.